So, uh, how many of you are aware that we have five, identified five core values in PCC? You see them on the board, right? And these three weeks, in conjunction with Father's Day and we, uh, last week of the month, Parents' Appreciation, we are going to focus on the fourth value, which is strong, healthy families. To have strong, healthy families, we need a foundation. And that foundation is strong, healthy marriages. So we're going to read from the book of Ephesians along the way, but we will just start with Ephesians 5.31, where Paul is quoting from Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is the earliest statement about marriage in the Bible, Genesis and Paul concludes, and Paul continues and says, this is a great mystery. Let us pray. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit will unveil and unfold this mystery so that we will be part of this story and that we will receive the blessing that you intended to the institution of marriage for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Lord God, say, now, after talking about marriage, quoting Genesis, Paul says this is a great mystery. What is so mysterious about marriage? People get married every day, right? Maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, I know, but I've been married for 10, 20, 30 years, and marriage is still a mystery because I cannot understand my spouse. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of mystery, okay? <laughs> this marriage, which is a mystery, see, means that there is a deeper meaning that has been hidden. And now the Apostle Paul gives us understanding. And that is God designed marriage to be an image, a picture, a metaphor of something that is much deeper, something greater and more profound. And he describes the relationship within marriage as this. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body. I want to ask, how many of you husbands here, you feed and care for your body? Would you wave to me? About seven, eight, the rest of you must be your wife feeding you <laughs> and caring for you, okay? But Paul says here, when you take care of your wife, you are actually loving yourself because your wife is part of your flesh, okay? And marriage is described in the Bible as a one flesh union because they become one flesh. When the Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus and ask him a difficult question on what would constitute a good reason for divorce, Jesus answered them in Matthew 19, verse 4 to 6. And in answering, he quotes, he goes back to the same passage, Genesis 1, 27, together with 2, 24. 
And he told them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them what? Male and female. Okay, that's it. Stop. Right? <laughs> you know, this is very important. Because nowadays in the Western world, they are telling their children, you know, uh, you decide whether you want to be male or female or something else in between or something else on this side of it or that side of it, you know. This is a, it's an upside-down world that we're living in. So, you know, we have to go back to the original design where God made them male and female, okay? Nothing in between outside. And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. We just heard that. Paul quoted from the same passage. And the two shall become one flesh, so then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So, what is Jesus saying? God is the one who joins the man and the woman together in a holy covenant. Marriage is more than just a piece of paper. It's not just a contract where if you keep your part, I keep my part. It is a covenant before God. And the Israelites understood this, but when they had turned away from God, then they turned away from this covenant of marriage as well. And Malachi the prophet spoke to them in Malachi 2, 13 and 14. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because you, He no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, Why? It is because the Lord is a witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your... What's the word there? Marriage covenant. Say marriage covenant. And it says that God was the witness. It wasn't just your best friend that signed and say witness. God was present. He is the witness of every marriage. And... Therefore, it is made in His presence and it is based on unconditional commitment. That's what covenant means. No matter what you do or don't do, I will still do my part. Okay? Now, this idea of covenant is very ancient. In the Old Testament times, when two persons wanted to make a covenant, they actually cut a covenant because the Old Testament word, berith, or covenant means to cut. And they would cut an animal in two. That's very bloody. And they will walk between the two parts of that animal. And in so doing, they are declaring, if I don't fulfill my promise, my oath, then what happens to this animal should happen to me. Now, you say, scary, man. This is what covenant means? Did I enter into such an agreement? Wow. Yeah, it is. It always involves blood. It's serious. Even when a married couple consummates their marriage on the first occasion, there is a shedding of blood. That's the way God designed it, which symbolizes the joining of two persons and what happens in their spirit as well. So in that sense, sex within marriage is holy before God 
It's a covenant to be honored. It's worth waiting for, for those who are single. Okay? So in quoting Genesis 2, 20, 24, Paul says marriage is a one flesh union. And then he immediately compares this one flesh union of a, of a man and his wife to another relationship. And this is what he says in verse 28. For in this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Okay? We, we read that he who loves his wife loves himself. And then it says, After all, no one hates his own body but feeds and cares for their body just as Christ does the church. This is the other relationship he refers to. And he says, For we are members of his body. So what Paul is saying is that a husband should cherish which means care for, feed, take care of his wife because you are taking care of your own flesh just as Christ takes care of his church, which is his body. Now, how do we do this practically? How do we cherish each other? Focus on the positive qualities of your spouse. Now, I know that you know, no human being is perfect, you know, just like you, your spouse will have positives and some negatives, okay? You know, this is true, right? No matter how many years you're married, okay? Until today, I still irritate Pastor Lydia. Especially morning she gets up, she will tell me, why is this here? Why is that not there? You know, it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that part of me takes a long time to change. 42 years still haven't changed yet, okay? <laughs> so, there are negatives in all of us, okay? But you focus on the positive. And fondness and uh, admiration is actually the core of friendship and a good marriage. So, to cherish means that you remind yourself of the positive qualities of your spouse, okay? So that you maintain that relationship, that respect, instead of focusing on the negative. And unless you, you believe that your spouse has more positive qualities than negative qualities and is worthy of your honor and respect, you know, that is very, uh, it's hard for that relationship to be rewarding. So this is what we do in some of the marriage, uh, what do you call it? workshops that we have conducted mostly for pastors. Of, of the Assemblies of God of Malaysia. Now, we know that most people do not make, make time for this because, you know, this is like, if, if I come to a marriage workshop, it's like something is wrong with our marriage, you know. So better not go, you know. Uh, so, we know that most of you will never sign up. So, uh, here's one of those exercises we ask them to do. That is, you know, when you go home, tell your wife or your husband three things. Number one, thanks for just simple thank you thank you for cooking you know the meal all right thank you for you know sweeping the floor huh? especially if the husband does that okay i appreciate just fill in the blanks i appreciate what you did for me and be specific i really enjoyed whatever it is now so basically what you're doing is you're maximizing the the positives in in each other this active focus on your spouse positives actually nurtures a sense of gratitude. 
for what you have instead of what you don't have or what's missing. Okay? Now, also, uh, you know, you can also tell yourself, okay, what I really cherish about my spouse is that he or she, and you fill in, you know, at least three qualities. Huh? He is so patient. Huh? He's so kind, you know. He's so slow. He waits for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sit positively, all right? <laughs> he doesn't rush me because he's so slow. So <laughs> whatever it is, try and see it in a positive light. So you list the positive qualities, right? And then you say to yourself, I am really blessed to be with, and you name your spouse, right? After you have done that to yourself, tell it to your spouse. Let, verbalize it. Okay? Now, why is this important? Why is it important for this nourishing and cherishing of your spouse? Why? Because marriage, our marriage has a, a greater purpose. Say greater. Greater purpose is not just about our happiness. Okay? It's more than that. Just as the husband is one flesh with his wife, so the church is one body with Christ. The church is one body with Christ. So the marriage between a man and a woman is actually a copy. It's a copy of an original. You say, what original are you talking about, Pastor Isaac? What, where's the original? Which is the original? Go back to Genesis, is it? Is the original Adam and Eve? Are you supposed to copy your marriage on Adam and Eve? Remember, very quickly, they started to blame each other. This woman that you gave me. <laughs> and the woman didn't, you know, look and saw the serpent. And since the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on, so the blame game stopped. Now, you wouldn't want to pattern your marriage after Adam and Eve because you know that it didn't, you know, it didn't go very well right from the start and within that family, you know, terrible things, you know, happen. So what is that original that we are supposed to copy? It is the marriage of Christ and His church. You say, yeah, but that came later. No, this was God's plan before the foundation of the earth that He would have a people and that He and His people would be one. Geoffrey Bromley put it this way, As God made man in His own image, so He made earthly marriage in the image of His own eternal marriage with His people. Now that is deep. That is profound. Okay. Your marriage is meant to be a copy of Christ's marriage to His church. The question is this, is it an accurate copy? Are we giving the right idea to other people? Marriage can only be an accurate copy of the original if the husband and wife functions according to God's assigned roles. And what are these roles and responsibilities? This is what Paul said to the wife. Now as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I know in today's world, 
People say, yeah, I know, this old-fashioned. Hey, this is the age of equality. Men and women are equal. Hang in there. This is still very relevant and I will explain. Now, let's go to the husband. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body. You know, and uh, when they hear this, they say, this is really, you know, male chauvinism, you know. Husband is the head, my head. Uh. <laughs> wait, 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 we have finished. Of which he is the saviour. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow. So, it is more than just headship. There is sacrifice involved. So, there are people who would tend to disagree with this uh, assigned roles. And, you know, why can't we work out our own roles? You know, every couple is unique. Lah, you know, uh, maybe this won't work for us. You know, we are unique and maybe we prefer a 50-50 marriage. You know, we'll work it out by trial and error. Now, how many of you really do that with the rest of your life? Huh? You buy a car that is worth 50000 100000 and, you know, and something goes wrong, do you try to fix it yourself, work it out, trial and error, or do you send it back to the manufacturer? Which do you do? It's a no-brainer, right? You know, if you tinker with it, you know, you're probably going to make it worse, right? If you have a Japanese car, you know, would you send it to Proton for service? Or Perodua? No! They didn't, they didn't design the car. I mean, yeah, it still has the same engine, you know, wheels, you know. Uh, all the, the works are there. But, you know, if they didn't design it, they probably would not be the best people to fix it, right? So, I think it's safer for us to go back to the design, to the creator, the designer of marriage, and accept the roles that he has already this, uh, assigned from the beginning. See, the creator of marriage says that the wives are to submit to the husbands, the husbands are to lead and to love their wives and give themselves up. Now, uh, these are the two roles. Let me ask you, which is the easier role? Is the submitting role easier or is the, the headship or the you know, leadership and giving of oneself, which one is easier? You may say, yeah, submit easier. Lah. But provided your husband loves you. Okay? By the way, submission doesn't mean inferior. Okay? You, uh, Jesus himself submitted to the Father and he submitted himself to sinful men. So, you know, you can't say that, you know, just because the wife submits to, to her husband that she's inferior. In fact, it's not true. Right? Now, I think the husband's role it's also hard, it's also difficult because he has to lay his life down. You know, uh, men, in case you're wondering, you know, what does that mean, you know? I die, I lay my life down, I die for my wife, you know? Oh, heroic death, you know? No, 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 don't die. Live for your wife, you know? It's not in the dying, it's in the living. It's in dying to self. It is saying, you know, yeah, this is what I want to do, but... Uh, I would rather give this up for my wife and for my family in this case. Now, you know, I, I had to learn this the hard way. For, after I got married, you know, uh, for the first, especially when we came to Penang, you know, uh, our children were two and, two and seven, you know. 
And Penang, and I'm an outdoor person. I was I came from Johor Bahru. And Penang is like, wow, the hill is nearby, the sea is nearby, you know. And I was look, always looking forward to Monday because Monday I can go and climb the hill, I can go to the, to the beach, you know, and, and do outdoor things. But then uh, by the time I fetch the children to school and, you know, do some housework, take facility to, to go shopping, the sun sets really. <laughs> you can't do anything, you know. So every Monday I got frustrated, right? And then suddenly I realized, oh, why am I doing this, huh? Okay, God, I surrender my Mondays to my family so that I will serve them. And if at the end of the day there's any time left, then I will do what I, what I do for myself, you know. And most days, you know, nothing would, would happen. But then I no longer felt frustrated, you know. In fact, I felt very, very calm, very peaceful, you know. So basically, you know, we, have, we men have to learn to place our spouse first and our, our family first. And until today, really, uh, every Monday, you know, Pastor Lydia is here, I can, I, she can testify, I will ask her, what do you want to do today? <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't have an agenda for Monday, really. Yeah? Uh, and whatever I do, you know, it's, it must be something that, you know, she also enjoys doing. Of course, if she says she wants to sleep in, then I go for a walk. <laughs> You know, kind of like, right? Uh, but otherwise, uh, we're trying to do things uh, together as much as possible now that, you know, the children have already left the house for the last, what, 12, 13 years, okay? Right? So, uh, dying doesn't mean that, you know, you die once. It simply means that you choose to live for the other person. Now, these roles were actually not invented by human beings. You know, it's like, oh, they came to realize, oh, this is how it works. No. God assigned these roles at creation, right? However, the problem is this. Soon after Adam and Eve became husband and wife, sin entered the world. And sin twisted a man's loving leadership into hostile domination, where he dominates his wife, or he doesn't want to, to lead, he just becomes laid back and refuses to serve or lead. Sin also twisted woman's willing submission into manipulation and insubordination. And what was meant to be beautiful became ugly and destructive. The good news is this, Jesus Christ came to redeem and restore the original creation order. Can you say amen? He came to restore that relationship between a husband and wife to back to loving headship and willing submission. Can you say amen? It is possible. Now, let me clarify. Headship is not the right to command and control, you know. I'm the head. You know, sometimes we hear men tell their wives, the Bible says, you must submit. Wow. You must submit. You know, take the Bible and wallop. <laughs> if your husband tells you, the Bible says, you must submit, then, wife, you tell the husband, the Bible says, you must die. <laughs> That's worse, right? <laughs> you must lay your life down, okay, to serve your wife. Now, actually, don't quote scripture, lah. You know, 
<laughs> Nothing good will come out of it, okay? <laughs> it is a responsibility of the husband to love and lead like Christ. That's what it means. It's loving and leading like Christ. To lay down your life for your wife in servant leadership. To take the responsibility to serve like Christ, to lead like Christ, to protect and provide for the family. And submission, by the way, is not like, you know, I have no choice, I'm forced to. No, it is actually willing. Because Jesus Christ doesn't want us to submit in a, a way where we say, you know, we have no choice. He wants willing submission, right? So submission is actually honoring, affirming, supporting your husband's leadership. Okay? Now, some women may say, Pastor, if only you know the kind of husband I have. You know, you know it's impossible to submit. Right? Some men may also say, if only you know the kind of wife I have. <laughs> How to lead? <laughs> she won't follow. <laughs> okay? Now, the question is this. Can this work? Can you actually do your part if your spouse doesn't do his or her part? Is this a conditional thing, you know, like, I will love you if you submit. I will submit if you love me. Is it possible for one part, partner to say, yes, I'll do my part, regardless? Yes, it is possible. It's difficult, but it's possible. And the key is found in verse 21 of Ephesians 5, which is actually what... It, Paul says before he goes into this whole section on husband and wife relationship, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So it's not just the, the, the wife doing the submitting. Submit to one another. Why? Because you are doing it out of reverence to who? Jesus Christ. That's the key. You can do it. You can accept your role when you reverence Christ. Now, even if you have to tell yourself, you know, I am not serving my wife because she deserves it. I am only doing it because I reverence Christ. Okay? You tell yourself, don't tell her, please. Okay? you make things worse, right? Or if you're, you're the wife, you know, you tell yourself, I'm submitting to my husband because, not because he deserves it, but because I want to reverence Christ. You know, don't tell him, but just submit. <laughs> Right? And do it for Jesus' sake, right? So, how, how do we apply this? Now, for the men, Luke 22, verse 26, Jesus said, let the leader become as the one who serves. In other words, you know, yeah, lead, but turn your leading into serving to build up your family, your spouse, okay? Submission, by the way, is not absolute. The only person we submit to Without, you know, condition, so to speak, uh, is Jesus Christ because, you know, He's perfect, right? A, uh, a husband is a human being and they can make mistakes as well, okay? And it doesn't mean that the wife has no say, you know, has no opinion. It doesn't mean that he, he, he says, you know, yeah, uh, whatever you, you say. There is input, there is influence. I'm sure most women, you know, have uh, influence on their husbands and you know some women hear the word influence they mm, I like that you know that means he's the head I'm the neck that's the most important part right? 
there will be times when a wife will, will say, you know, yeah, how to submit? Huh? He's making this decision and I don't think it's a good one, not wise, you know. Now, instead of telling your husband, you know, this is a bad decision, I won't submit. Instead of doing that, you, you can tell your, your, your husband, you know, I'm glad you're taking the lead, honey, you know, or what. I'm sure you, you must have thought a lot about this, but, but somehow I don't have the peace in my heart. <laughs> okay. Can we talk about it more, you know? Can we pray about it more, right? Now, when, when you appeal this way, you are still acknowledging, you know, he's the head, he's supposed to lead, right? But there needs to be more discussion. Now, only Christ is perfect, right? So, which means, you know, when we submit to Him, you know, we, we don't have to worry. But every human being can make mistakes. So, you know, we, we have to balance this out. Now, practically what this means is this, you know, for the last 42 years, uh, for Pastor Lee and I, we discuss every important decision. And we come to an agreement. Sometimes it takes, you know, some time, but... Generally, all important decisions, we, we come to an agreement, okay? And her input is just as valuable and even more than mine because, uh, you know, women typically have better EQ. I mean, she can read, you know, people. She can read the vibes, you know, right? Sometimes I'm blah, blah, you know? I don't know, you know, what's going on, right? She will tell me, you know, this is what's going on. So... Uh, two heads are better than one, right? You'll be foolish if you don't listen to the input from your wife because sometimes God will tell your wife what He doesn't tell you, okay? So that when you put the two together, then you have the complete picture. Now, in spite of, uh, you know, that, there are some times, you know, when uh, my wife will say, you know, you decide lah. Then I know I'm in trouble, because if I decide, I'm responsible. Actually, even if I don't decide, I'm still responsible. <laughs> okay, even after all the agreement, you know, discussion, right? The, God will hold the man responsible. So, as, as husbands, we need to rise up and take our rightful role as a servant leader. That means we take the initiative. We, we bring our family before God in, you know, family devotions, in prayer, we bring them to church. You know, we don't wait for the wife to take the lead, you know. Honey, you want to go to church or not? Ayah, you take them lah, you know. I want to sleep in. Huh? We discipline the children. We don't leave it to the wife because this is something that we have to do together. So, servant leadership is not autocratic. It is not domineering. It's not abusive, but loving and sacrificial. And every woman would like to submit to such leadership. Right? All the women say? Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if your husband is willing to lay down his life for you, you know, I can submit. Sure. You know, it's a pleasure to submit. Right? So that is what we are called to do as men. Now, some of you are saying, oh, yeah, pastor, is that I'm single, uh, you know. All this doesn't affect, doesn't apply to me, you know. But one day, you will be married. And it's good to prepare yourself for those who are, who are, who are men, for those who are, you know, youth now. Learn to serve 
learn to sacrifice yourself because that is really preparing yourself. You know, if you if you cannot think more than yourself, then you get married. It's a recipe for fight and disaster, really. If you are not willing to sacrifice yourself for another, you know, for 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 the sake of everyone. <laughs> Don't get married <laughs> because, you know, you give us a lot more counselling, <laughs> right? So practice what it means to be a man that is a servant leader, someone who is willing to put other people first, right? And I think this applies even for the woman. I mean, you know, you, you don't have a husband to submit to, but, you know, this is the attitude that is cultivated, right? So uh, when the time comes, you'll be ready, and God will bring you the person, so to speak, you know, or God will bring you together. Now, God designed marriage roles for His glory and for our good. Now, this is the higher purpose. It's not just for our happiness. Yes, of course, it is, but it is for His glory. Marriage is for the glory of God. Can you say amen? And for our good. Yes, the Christian marriage has a higher purpose. We need a higher purpose than our own happiness, really. If you get married only just because you want to be happy with somebody, you know, you will find that that in itself, you're shortchanging yourself. Because really, to glorify God, that's the highest purpose. And to help the world see the beautiful relationship of Jesus Christ and His church. You see, marriage is not just about a man and a woman coming together to be happy it is about the glory of God. When your friends who do not know Jesus, when they see how a Christian man loves and sacrifices for his wife and family, and when they see how willingly she submits to him, they see a picture of Jesus Christ and his church. This is the mission for the Christian marriage. From the very beginning, God designed marriage to symbolize this union. For this reason, a man leaves his father and mother and will be united to his wife because it is to symbolize the perfect union of God and His people, Christ and His church. And this is a relationship that is as intimate as a one flesh Union. You see, marriage is an earthly institution with a heavenly reality. It's earthly, but it points to something beyond this earth. Through sacrificial, loving leadership, headship, and willing submission, the Christian couple has this great privilege of symbolizing the relationship of Christ to His church, of pointing people to a relationship that will endure to all eternity. So it's not just about meeting our needs for companionship, for intimacy, for children, you know, for fulfillment, happiness. All this is good. Yes, but there's a higher purpose, a greater purpose, and that is God's design by our harmonious relationship to show the world that God loves His church, Jesus and His church. And whatever God loves, by the way, the devil hates. 
Is that true? The devil attacks, you know. He just wants to destroy whatever is good. So that's why in marriage, you know, all of us are sinners. We will have rough ages. We will have things that will irritate one another. So, you know, you will go through times when you are frustrated, you are struggling, you're angry, resentful, you're hurt. Remember, your spouse is not your enemy. Okay? You're fighting against spiritual forces of darkness. And they try to distract you, tempt you, pull you away. 1 Peter 5 it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And this is true of the marriage as well. Okay? So be on alert. You know, if you know some things are you know, going to distract you, some things are going to take you away from the straight and narrow. You know, if you are looking at things on the phone and that you shouldn't be looking at, that your friends send you, you know, you know that this is something that you have to stop, right? Or if you are engaging with someone that you know you shouldn't engage, especially at the workplace, you know, you get emotionally attached, asked to be transferred to another department or get another job. Okay, if you go to the gym and you are visually attracted to somebody or, you know, emotionally, you know, connected to, to somebody in the gym that's not your spouse, you know, better work out at home. Huh? I can teach you how to work out in 20 minutes, you know. <laughs> in fact, I, I am enjoying a higher level of fitness since I started, you know, just working out at home, you know, 15, 20 minutes, you know, every other day or so, right? Uh, so there are, there are ways that we can get around it. Now, if, you, if social media is causing you to be distracted and you start looking at things you shouldn't see, then you know it's going to affect your marriage relationship. Okay. Okay. So, you know, whatever it is that harms that relationship is something that we should not entertain because it will lead us to go further and further away from God and that intimacy. So, you know, the devil wants us to compromise in just little ways, little ways, because it will lead to bigger things, okay? So, as we come to a close, I want to ask, you know, where are we currently most vulnerable? I mean, when you look at your relationship, okay? What is it that we need to do to protect and to strengthen our marriages and to strengthen the foundation of our family? So, as we come to a close, as the worship team comes back, I want to ask you, you know, if you are married and, you know, you have your spouse with you here, whether, even if your spouse is not with you here for whatever reason, uh, let's look at the last slide. This is a commitment that uh, I want you to verbalize, okay? Maybe we can say it one time first, right? Let's go. We want our marriage to glorify God and help the world see the beautiful relationship of Christ and His church. Okay, now, if this is what you want to do, if you want to live for this higher purpose, this greater purpose, so that your marriage will communicate the mystery of the gospel, how Christ sacrificed His life for us on the cross, then I want to invite you with this in mind, with this commitment in mind, I want you to, if your spouse is next to you, would you hold hands with your spouse? Okay, I'm going to ask Pastor Lydia to come up here as well. Right? And if your spouse is not with you as a sign of commitment, then you hold your own hand. Ah, so can. 
okay? It represents the other person who is, you know, somewhere else, all right? For whatever reason. Okay, so uh, hold your spouse's hand and uh, I want you to, you know, just say this together, this, this commitment together. Let's go. We want our marriage to glorify God and help the world see the beautiful relationship of Christ and His church, right? I'm gonna, we're going to pray for all the marriage, married couples here. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, as we express our desire and commitment to have a marriage that will honor you, glorify you, and declare to the world the mystery of Christ and His church. We pray that you will strengthen every marriage that is in this church right now, Lord. That as we learn to submit to the Lord Jesus Christ and reverence Jesus Christ, accepting our God-given roles for the husband to lead and to serve like Christ, to sacrifice, to lay down our lives and for the wives to joyfully submit and honour and respect. Father, we pray that these marriages will be healed and whole and healthy and strengthened so that it will be a strong foundation for the children to grow up with, to have that sense of security and for a healthy and strong family that will bless the community and declare to the world who Jesus Christ is. Father, we also pray right now, O oh God, for those who may feel that it is so difficult, for those who have lost hope that this is even possible, for those who feel that it's too, too late, Lord, assure them that it is never too late. We pray, Father, for marriages that are hurting. We pray, O oh God, where there's sin to forgive, we pray, O oh God, for your grace to be multiplied. We pray for miracles, for restoration, for healing, for forgiveness, O oh God. We pray that as we confess our sins, you'll be just to forgive and cleanse us. We thank you, O oh God, that our marriages can improve and can be a copy of that original. Father, we pray, O oh God, that you will do a miracle in every marriage. And we pray also, Lord, for those who are thinking of marriage in the future, that you will help each of our young people to prepare themselves to live the kind of life, a life of service and sacrifice, a life of submission and reverence, so that they will be ready when you bring that person into their lives. Father, we pray also for those who have yet to make that commitment to Jesus Christ. Lord, that as they see the picture of the love of Jesus who came to die for our sins, to take the punishment that we deserve to be our Savior, that each of these who do not yet know you will commit their lives to you, to become a part of your family, to receive your forgiveness. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your great work among us that you continue to do. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you.